How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. February 7th, 2023. What's up? Welcome in. We're Grant and Danny. It's Super Bowl week on 106.7 The Fan. What do you say, buddy? How are you? Doing very well. Um... Ryan and I played some pickleball this morning. How about that? Met up at a local park. They had pickleball nets and everything. There were, uh, there were a couple put-out people. They were pretty upset. They were walking their dog on the tennis court, which, by the way, is a new thing that I see people doing now all the time. Instead of, like, walking your dog outside or, like, in a you know a place where they could run free or whatever, it's they go on tennis courts, and they couldn't believe that we were showing up to play pickleball on the pickleball court. But we did. Had a lot of fun. How'd you guys do? Ryan? I don't know how to answer that without sounding like a jerk. Uh, he beat me about 45 to 2. Okay. I didn't mean necessarily like, I didn't know you guys kept score. I just meant, did you have fun? Yes, did you had a great time. You sweat a, a lot of bit. fun. I am a pickleball guy now. I'm sure it's a blast. That's all it takes. It's all it takes. It's why it's grown so so rapidly. Um, I, I couldn't help at one point, I, and now I realize I'm comparing myself to Michael Jordan here, dangerous ground, but I couldn't help but think of that clip where Jordan was talking about um, – why am I blanking his name? OJ Mayo. From that moment on, it was a lesson. I just I felt bad about it. But uh Ryan Ryan had a couple games where he scored like three points. That's good. Yeah. That's exciting. Well. It got to the point where Danny was just being like, dude, that was a killer shot, man. Like after I just so saw it one, one time. Yeah. I was like, thank you. It's <laughs> crying. That sounds like a great time. It does. And uh, I and I said, I admit, I'm not that much fun to play with. Nobody I find myself I can tell that I'm being annoying. Ryan was very gracious. Was he annoying to play with, would you say? You could say. No, actually, I, I had a lot of fun. Okay. I will say he was kicking my butt. But other than that, like, I, I was having a good time. I could just tell, like, he was trying to be nice because, like, he was up by 100. Yeah. He was like, dude, great shot, man. Like, I just felt, <laughs> I felt so bad for myself. Well, when you when you hit a silly one, like, like Ryan hit a few winners, right, which happens. When you do that, it, it, like, it's like golf or like anything else. It feels so good, and that's, like, the whole point, right? right? You keep going back. And then as you play more and more, you hit more and more of those, and you, you keep getting better. But as, as long as you can, like, hold the paddle and have two feet, you've got a great chance to be decent at this sport. That's why it's so much fun. Yeah, it does. It, it's... Tennis is fun. It's just hard and takes yeah. too much energy, and it's too big of a court. Uh huh. So we've basically taken the good things from that and, and ripped out the down. bad things. And now you can play one-on-one, two-on-two, and it's something you could do. It's a good workout, but fun. 
Five days from the Super Bowl. Opening night, media-wise, was last night. Media day uh, was last evening. Remember, they moved it into prime time a handful of years ago. So now you have a bunch of the, like, the fat guys without the shirts on mm-hmm. and the little kids asking questions. And they had uh, Travis and Jason Kelsey doing an interview, and their mom walked up with fresh-baked cookies. All the wackies on display. It had been a few years since we did that, so it was good to get all the madness back in to the Super Bowl, I suppose. Uh, but... Here we are, five days out, Danny. The two teams are eerily similar. Saw a graphic today. One and a half points separating them in terms of margin here going in. Eagles are a favorite by one and a half points. Uh, how about both teams are 16-3? and three. Both teams scored exactly 546 points this season. Both teams have six all-pros, and both teams have one of those six all-pros, last name Kelsey. AFC and <laughs> NFC number one seed. I mean, eerily similar resumes to get here when you look at the path that they've traveled, Indeed. how much they score. It's going to be, I think, a super entertaining game. Philly's a better team. Kansas City has the better quarterback and still might have the coaching advantage, and that might close the gap. And that's the equalizer, right? The Eagles have more really good players than do the Chiefs. It's not as if the Chiefs are slouches in that department, but the Eagles, I think, have the number one overall roster probably in the sport. Right, as you start to add it up, when you look at by position group, whether it's offensive line, pass rusher, you look at uh, secondary receivers, you start putting it together. You would take their group over almost anybody else's a whole lot. Kansas City has had to make some sacrifices because they've got Pat Mahomes. But here's the thing: they've got Pat Mahomes. That fixes so much. It makes everything okay. Right, everybody's key card works. Everybody can can come into the office thinking they're a genius because you've got that guy back there making everything just fine. I watched two programs last night. One Wizards basketball, the other a thirty for thirty doc. We'll start with the one I didn't have as much fun watching. We'll get through that one, yeah. Wizards lose by twenty five to the Cavs. I thought when you're down twenty, you're supposed to win the game. Isn't mm-hmm. that how this works? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You fall behind twenty and then you win. That's the whole plan. That's how basketball works. I was sure of it after watching the Wizards the last two games before this. So they tried it the other way. They said, well, wait a second. If we're up by 20, we're going to lose. We might as well fall behind by 20. But inexplicably, Danny, somehow, yep. unlike the teams that they've been playing recently that fall behind by 20, the Wizards didn't get their kick to the butt. You know, They didn't get their second wind and come back and win the game. They just kept falling behind by more and then never rallied. The Cavs are a lot of fun to watch. Yep. They bottomed out and are building something meaningful. They have 34 wins on the year to Washington's 24. Uh, it was just a nice reminder of how far off the Wizards are watching that game last night. This is what it's supposed to look like, right? If you're not going anywhere, none of the, the Cavs are. They might win a first-round playoff series and make a little bit of noise, but it's just a, a bunch of youngsters. 23-year-old, 26-year-old, 21-year-old, 24-year-old. Ta-da! you got a team on the rise. And now you build a nice little nest. Maybe that free agent comes. Maybe you're the destination for somebody. Maybe you can have enough assets for that for that big trade moment, et cetera. It's what you're supposed to be doing on in stark contrast to whatever it is the Wizards' plan is. I actually have a weird take for a second that will make no sense initially, and then I hope I can explain it. Go on. I kind of think the Cavs, as currently constructed, are what the Wizards want to be, weirdly. And I, I also think that this is kind of the best version of, What they're building is what the Wizards could have been if everything went their way. Here's what I mean. If you think about it, who's the Cavs' best player? Donovan Mitchell. Right. He's kind of like a Bradley Beal-esque best player, right? Now, I think Donovan Mitchell is better than Bradley Beal. I do, too. In fact, I don't even think it's particularly close. But they made a big trade to bring him in, and if he's there long enough, he's going to make all the money, Mm -hmm. right? They have surrounded him 
with either young players they've added via trade acquisitions or by way of the draft. I think it's a really bad plan for the Wizards to make Bradley Beal the son and then to revolve around him. I think that was a flawed plan. I think that that will never get you where you need to go. But the Cavs, in a way, have kind of done the same thing with like a you know, non-traditional point guard, two-guard shooter type in the backcourt and Donovan Mitchell as the son, and then we'll all revolve around him. Now, the, the Cavs have gone and gotten Evan Mobley, who's awesome, and they have Jarrett Allen, who's really good. I think Darius Garland's the truth, and they have exciting players. So the, the comp doesn't work in, in terms of the rest of the team, but my point is it's not like they have a big three. It's, it's not like they have this one-two punch inside-outside game of these guys that came in together for a bunch of money. They got like a Bradley Beal-ish type dude, and then they have just done a really good job adding to that. What's your thought on my comp? I smell what you're cooking. The difference is these are guys in their early 20s. They're great. For the most part. Whereas the Wizards have a bunch of guys in their prime or past their prime or, you know, around 30 years yeah, and old. And that's why this. I'm saying like now it's not the same. I'm saying, though, if they would have struck gold early on and just mm-hmm. they said this is Beal's team and then they move everyone else and then they go get top five draft picks. Like, this is the best it could have looked. But instead, here we are, just spinning our tires a little bit more in Washington. 24 and 29 now. They got hot enough, again, that they were about to get over 500. And now they've completely cooled off with three straight losses, including blowing 20-point leads twice and losing by 25. Yeah, and I know that no, you know, no Kuzber Bill last night. But again, that's, that's the association. One more note, if I may. This is the thing that the Wizards aren't willing to do. There are three years here for Cleveland that are ugly. Once LeBron leaves, again, right, after Kyrie Irving is begged out and so on and so forth, the dismantling, they went through some lean times. Got to be willing to do that. Now, I don't know if Cleveland ends up as a champion or great again with you know without LeBron James or, or something like that, but they're, the, the trajectory is certainly pretty good. They've made themselves relevant, again, on the way up. And you get a trade for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, that can change things. But you had to go through winning 19, 19, and 22 games. Washington's not willing to do that. They're not willing to sacrifice a week, a month, let alone half a season or even a full season in order to actually get to go somewhere. One has a bright future. The other is this, spinning their wheels for the two millionth straight season. Back to you. Well, that was the thing that I watched that wasn't that fun. The program I watched that I loved was the newest 30 for 30 from ESPN that just came out. I think it came out maybe Sunday or or Monday. The Baltimore Ravens 30 for 30 called Bullies of Baltimore. Have you seen the trailers for it? I have. Guy, it is really, really good. They just do these so well. This one's actually pretty unique in that it's kind. Of, there, there is no narrator or anything. It's filmed through the guise of this event that they had last spring in Baltimore, downtown at some venue where they had a huge crowd in attendance, and they brought back Ray Lewis and Shannon Sharp and Jack Del Rio and Marvin Lewis and Brian Billick and the, the key members of the crew. Mm-hmm. For like a, a night to reminisce, and they were showing on the big screen a bunch of videos and laughing and cutting up. And Tony Saragusa was kind of the star of the show. By the way, it was one month before Tony Saragusa died. Is that right? Gosh. Saragusa, I, I didn't know because I remember when he died last year, I thought, well, maybe he was in failing health or maybe something you know, had, had happened where he was no longer getting around as well. Dude, he was the biggest star at this event, sticking it up, max capacity Tony Saragusa. In Gosh. fact, I would even make the case had lost a lot of weight. I mean, he was still a big, heavy guy. But obviously, compared to when he played, he was probably down 100 pounds. He was. He might have been playing at 365, 370. Um, but he was on stage just cutting up, telling jokes, having a good time. 
And then the doc starts and ends basically at his funeral, uh, oddly enough, which is so sad to think about. Yeah. But with all due respect to our listeners out there from the Chicago area and or folks who big fans of the 1985 Bears, okay. that 2000 Ravens defense, best there will ever be. So great, so dominant, and the documentary does a really good job at explaining why it is that that group is probably the one seed when it comes to the immaculate defenses in the history of the league. People forget, too, remember the Super Bowl against the Giants? Yep. They won 34-7. to And because it wasn't a shutout, you know, people don't talk about that defense. Would have been their, I think, seventh of the season in the Super Bowl against the Giants team that had scored like 41 points the week before. But it was a kick return for a touchdown in that Super Bowl that the Giants scored. Their offense didn't even get close to scoring as Kerry Collins got picked off four times. So they had four shutouts over the course of the season, including the playoffs. There were, I think, seven games where they didn't allow a touchdown. Maybe even eight games where they didn't allow a touchdown. Again, just staggering in an era that's far more known for offense than it was in 85. This is my favorite stat, though, from from that season, if, if I may. And I haven't even seen the doc yet. I can't wait to watch it. They gave up. 22% of the points that they gave up for the whole season in week two. They didn't have a good game. Jacksonville scored 36 points on them. That was more than one-fifth of what they would give up for the entire year. Impossible to fathom how good. And that includes the postseason and everything else. 165 points allowed. Teams routinely now give up in the upper threes. 165 points for a year? Crazy. In an era where you could throw the forward pass? Come on, dude. But you, you do forget about some of the specifics, you know, when it's 20 years go by. And just going back and watching that doc and seeing some of the games and the performances again, I, I didn't recall. There was a great anecdote where, so they th- their rival that year, if you remember, was the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Okay? Great they, games with those teams. Such good games. Physical team, awesome defense. And Brian Billick was handed a Sports Illustrated copy from their head of PR right as he walked into the locker room after a late season, regular season win over the Titans. And it was kind of their crowning moment where, because people forget, they had to charge hard at the end of the year just to make the playoffs. Uh-huh. They were 5-4 and four at one point. And so they got into the postseason. They beat the Titans. He's handed this Sports Illustrated copy as he's walking into the locker room, and it says that uh, the Titans are the best team in the NFL. And he shows it to the Ravens, and he says, his team's all gathered around him, and he says, maybe they are. But not today. Well, fast forward a month later. They're back in Nashville playing the Titans again in the playoffs. Super hostile. Again, great rivalry. The fans hate them. And on the screen, think about this. On the Titantron, the big screen in the end zone, they are playing on a loop throughout warm-ups. Brian Billick's speech to the Ravens. Maybe they are, but not today. As Baltimore's warming up, which was just a crazy mm. cool move. But then they, they beat Tennessee. And after the game, Billick says, I want all the cameras off. And he, he says to everyone, he says, we, we got to respect our opponents. We love the Titans. They did a great job. Now everyone turn the cameras off. Cameras off. Cameras off. And you just see, like, everything goes dark, right? The camera's pointing at the ground. And he goes, bleep the Titans. And, like, they'll go, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, camera's back on. And so all the cameras come back on, and he goes, we got to respect the Titans. Like I said, we really love the Titans. We got to respect it. The, and they all start cracking up. It was just that team had so much personality. But watch the doc. Really, oh, they really were good. ridiculous. They were so nasty. We're at a cool place now in terms of getting older. You and I being just old guys. Uh-huh. 
where some of these docs from 20 years ago you are, remember they are my apex of my fandom they are my prime of caring and interest and pizzazz and intensity that's a cool place to be it's Without not a like doubt. a history lesson anymore where I'm like, oh, I don't really relate to that. I don't know much about that. It's stuff that I live. Yeah, like I'm sure George Mikan was great, but it's hard for me to remember. I, and I, I've seen a YouTube video. They had a week. Now, granted, Cincinnati wasn't great that year. Okay, but division rival. They beat Cincinnati 37 nothing. Cincinnati managed four rushing yards in the game. Four. They show it in the doc. They had 97 total yards in that game. Corey Dillon asked out of that game, by the way. <laughs> not, not a bit. Right? Yes. It's so funny because uh, you're just doing what I did last night. You're just scrolling through box scores right now. Just remind, reminding it's a, myself. It's yeah. amazing. But, yeah, in that game, there's actually a moment, and it's on video, where Corey Dillon and the head coach of the Bengals kind of get into it because he points back to the field like, get in there, dude. And Corey Dillon's like, uh-uh. I'm not doing this. I'm done. <laughs> and the Ravens saw it, and they were talking about it on the sideline. Absolutely crazy. Uh, big night tonight in the NBA, Danny. We could see history. LeBron James, who I guess is questionable. Darius is passing that on. Oh my God! I'll be. Can you imagine if you paid thousands for a ticket and he ends up not playing? He better I, play. I think he's playing, but goodness gracious, he might pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring record. By the way, that would be the most NBA thing in the world if he has a maintenance night tonight. If he's questionable and they're like, "Oh, we're just we got to make sure he's ready for the playoffs," and just oh, sets it up for Thursday. I kind of hope it happens, actually. Yeah. Well, they also would need uh, to do a little work to qualify for that postseason. But that's that's, a good point. that's neither here nor there. But yeah, he's got a great chance. If he doesn't pass it tonight, if he doesn't do it tonight, needs 36 points. Uh, if he ends up doing it Thursday, it's happening. He's going to be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. In NBA, ABA, professional basketball history. Amazing. James is averaging 30 per game. Which that's a 38-year-old. Is amazing. Now, I, I will tell you that it has never been easier to score than it is right now. Having said that, 30 points per game is a pretty big deal. Uh, he needs 36. He has done that. I was surprised to see this. Nine out of 43 games this season is it? Because I thought it's a lock he gets 36 points tonight. Like, I would bet the ranch on him scoring 36. But he's only done it about a fifth of the time this season. So, nine out of 43 games? I mean, there's a real good chance he doesn't actually accomplish it tonight. It carries over to Milwaukee, and there would be some irony and, and some historical context to that. That would make it even more fun. Considering Kareem's past, what an unbelievable career! What I, I, I don't really have great anything else to say besides that. I mean, it's just so stupid. He came in as a 19 year old, and the amount of hype and attention and insanity surrounding every move, everything was so you know in hyper focus. Not only did he live up to the hype, averaging 21 a game as a 19 year old, 21 a game as a 19 year old, 21 uh, basically six and six. That's the lowest it's ever been, and since then he's pretty much been a 30-point-per-game triple-double machine. Astounding that he's still doing this 20 years later. Tickets starting at 284 bucks on StubHub as of yesterday. Some courtside seats going for just shy now of $50,000 for tonight's game. Man. Questionable? I'm going to say he's probable. I'm going to say he's going to give it a go. He's going to push through and overcome. To get on the floor tonight. 36 points shy of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You think he does it? I think he does it. I say he does not. Oh, I thought he would for a couple of days. I actually am now thinking he does it with Giannis in the building against the Bucks in two nights. Especially if he's listed as questionable. Maybe a few fewer minutes. I don't know. Maybe he's not feeling great. I, who knows? But I'm going to say he, he scores like 28, 30 points. And then he does it in the first quarter or second quarter. 
two nights from now on Thursday night. I think he's setting it up to be the hero that overcame some like dramatic injury. Remember, every time he got he gets fouled, he goes down like it. You know, uh, he just got attacked. He in wants public. his flu game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's like. Remember, there was once I think he like bumped his elbow and acted like everything was broken, and then like came back to a big ovation. Well, how about last week? I think it was last week. Maybe it's been two weeks now. When at the end of the game he got fouled and it wasn't called, and he laid on the court. Yes. The same thing happened when I told my son when we were playing the Lion game in the basement. And the Lion game is when I get down on all fours and I go, "I smell a boy," and then he runs all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then I go, and he goes, ah, ah, and he like runs and hides. That's the line game. Yeah, pretend to eat him alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The lion game. Lion game. I said, after 30 minutes of doing that, my back was killing me. Just a big fat tub of goo on all fours, right? Not out there playing hip hop scotch with Ryan every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get around my basement on my, on all fours, right? Just trying to stand up. And I'm like, okay, daddy's tired. Daddy's done. And he did the exact same thing LeBron did when he didn't get the foul call. He laid down in that little, like... And your son is 38? He's 38, yep. yep. Knees tucked into his chest with his ass out, you know, and he's elbows down like he's planking, and he just laid there for like three minutes. We call it the LeBron in our house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, buddy, no LeBroning. No we, LeBron, bud. And he's like, the Lion game. Same thing LeBron did when he didn't get the call. Same thing. And LeBron was yelling, the Lion game. No, he was, which was weird. Which didn't make any sense. Like, I didn't even know about I it. I played the Lion game with LeBron. <laughs> Like came to my house, he's like, Hey GP, can we play the lion game? And I'm like, I smell a Laker. And I have to run around. And then he runs and he's like, I'm so afraid of the lion. He's a good roar. He's like, looking for the second best player ever. And he's like, Well, the first. And And then Michael Jordan's not playing. And you're like, we have to stop. And then he cries. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any hypocrisy to the fact that the commanders are named the commanders? But yet the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl and their fans will do the tomahawk chop. That's next on Grant and Danny. You can't hear that and not know what it is, right? Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan. So Michael Phillips wrote a really thoughtful piece, I thought, in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, regular here on the show with us. If the Kansas City Chiefs can do the chop, why did Washington have to rename its NFL team? There's a lot of whataboutism in the world that I find kind of annoying. And so I'm willing to admit, Danny, as we start to talk about this, I think this is a super complicated conversation, right? And nobody is saying, I don't think I want to speak for you, so maybe you can comment. I'm certainly not saying that the Redskins shouldn't have changed their name. I think we got to a place where changing the team name made sense and was necessary and was kind of the only way forward. But I'm going to read from Phillips' piece here in the Richmond Times-Dispatch. He says, as the Kansas City Chiefs secure another Super Bowl berth, a raucous home crowd of 66,000 fans saluted the team by performing their version of the Tomahawk Chop while the broadcast of the game spread to a national audience. In that moment, fans of the Commanders might have been thinking, how is this still okay, but not the Redskins' name? The answer, like the topic itself, is complicated. 
To be clear, there are still a number of Native American groups who have asked the Chiefs to select a new name, and as they did before the 2020 Super Bowl, many of them will use this week's game as an opportunity to protest outside of NFL events. The Chiefs, to their credit, have made tweaks to their game day policies over the last five years, some of it as a result of feedback by a local group of Native American leaders that have asked them to make changes. But I I hear this from fans of the Commanders all the time. Why did the Indians or the, the Redskins have to make a lot of changes that the Chiefs, the Braves to some extent, like other teams have not made? You watch a Florida State football game, Seminoles. You watch the Atlanta Braves. You see the chop, right? Mm-hmm. And they've, I guess, either stopped playing it at the stadium as much or asked fans not to do it. One of the things I saw in this story that I found ridiculous was as if, oh, well, you solved the problem. It's all fixed. The Chiefs asked fans when they do the tomahawk chop to no longer keep their hand open. No open hand chopping. You have to close your fist like a like a ball. And you... that. That solved it. (laughs) You're playing whack-a-mole? Right. That's one of the things that they've done. But you you do hear, I'm sure, like I do, fans asking about the whataboutism of why are some of these organizations making changes sooner and kind of being told to, and others aren't? You'll never get me to understand. Now, I'm not ripping you here, but to me, I hear that phrase or that word whataboutism, and all we're asking for, and a lot of us in, in society, are what's our standard? What's our rule? And so when we have counterexamples, they're dismissed with the word whataboutism. I'd still like an answer, please. Explain to me why one's okay and the other's not. And if you want to dismiss my entire point of view or my entire question as, ah, that's just whataboutism. That doesn't, okay, then explain to me why it's wrong or right or whatever it is. All I want is an even standard. With whatever it is, whatever a rule is, I'll adapt to your rule. Just tell me what the rule is and always apply it exactly the same all the time. Pretty simple to me. I will never understand why that's okay and other things are not. That meaning what? The tomahawk chop. Okay, I'm glad you say that because I, I think it's – I think it is correct to say – you tell me if you agree or disagree. Debatable, but correct probably to say that Redskins is a worse team name than Chiefs. Do you agree with that? I think I do. In other words, the term Redskins – On the on whatever scale we're using. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody meant it in terms of fans of the team that are listening right now or that are sitting in studio with us, Darius, Ryan, you or I, no one, when they said Redskins, meant it as a slur, meant it as anything negative. It was the team we grew up loving. Redskins meant Art Monk and John Riggins and Daryl Green and nothing else. But the name, the team, Redskins, worse than Braves, which feels more like a prideful name, okay? Uh, Redskins versus Chiefs feels more like a celebratory prideful name. Indians, now we, we now say Native Americans, not mm-hmm. Indians, but the Cleveland Indians as a team name, I would say was not at the level of Redskins, but was probably also, by way of the standards of society today, and the ever-changing goalpost, so to speak, of what is and is not acceptable. You know, not anything I'm upset about, just an observation. Sure. That has changed. What, what we once said 30 years ago in a lot of capacities, we can't say now. Indian became one of the words that, you, hey, you're not supposed to say that. You say Native American. Okay, fine. Native American. So you knew they were going to change their name. But if we're looking at it on a scale, I would say Chiefs and Braves way safer and going to be kept longer than Indians. And then Indians still better off and has a chance to last longer than Redskins. Turns out the Guardians won the race because they <laughs> didn't spend 19 months changing their name. Making the brand. Oh, but, just one tweet. 
They did it at the same time. But the tomahawk chop thing, which is still prevalent in these stadiums, long after getting rid of headdresses, right? The Chiefs did the same thing the Redskins did. Mm -hmm. They did the same thing that the Braves and others have done. There was a time, watch the movie Major League, where fans would show up at Progressive Field, then Jacobs Field in Cleveland, in headdress, gear, you know, oh, yeah. painted face. And they have stopped allowing fans to do that at all of the stadiums, I think. I can't speak to Florida State. I'm just not. I'm sure they have, but I just don't know. Someone could look that up. But the 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 chant, the tomahawk uh -huh. chop thing still presides. So, if again, whatever scale we're using here. Right, I don't even know how to quantify this guy. I don't know what if I'm putting numbers on it or whatever. Just the feeling I've got. To me, that's the worst thing. That's the worst. And again, whether you want to ban stuff or not, great conversation. Have it. You can write your congressman, tell your state senator, write the team. I don't, you know, do what you want or not. You, you can argue the other way. To me, though, whether you're naming a team one thing or another thing, that tomahawk chop is the most reductive. On this, whatever scale that we're using, that's the one seed to me of badness. And nobody seems to say peep about it. It doesn't bother anybody the way that the the, the mascot or the team name that I grew up loving bothered them. And I can't help but wonder why that's always been. I, I have never heard an adequate explanation. I never have. Now, for Florida State specifically, I've read a bunch about this because, I, again, I was interested. I, I, I want, I, again, I, all I want is an even standard for all the things, okay? Florida State apparently worked it out with the Seminole Tribe in Florida, and, and there was an agreement there, and potentially that's something that kind of gives them a, a sort of a, a dispensation or a different pass. But when it comes to the Braves, when it comes to the Chiefs, that thing basically, to me, again, is the one seed in terms of insensitivity, in terms of reducing an entire population of people to, you know, uh, this sort of war chant savagery, right? There's complex, there's nuance. None of that seems to apply to them. And I've never understood why that wasn't the, like, if you're making a list, like when, when you sort of your shopping list of things I want to change about society and like, you're you're working on number 227 first, you probably should work your way down from number one first. Does is, is that make any sense? Like, the idea that Redskins had to go before that, I will never understand it. Again, I'm not arguing for for, for the old name for, for Washington. If we're asking the question, though, is there some hypocrisy in this, you would say yes. It's it's beyond hypocrisy. It's, it's like whatever's next, it's going, that's worse. That's worse. What, where is my outrage over that one? Like, if here, here's how if I if old Rainy Duye is sort of drawing the timeline as it should have gone. Well, the first thing we have to get rid of is that. Once we've done, get, get, once we've gotten rid of that, we can now move on to Redskins team that name or whatever. Such a, uh, a hot button thing for you, uh, and, and I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking. You're passionate about that the the chop, so to speak, is the battle cry is, is worse than any of the names. Like, why? Part of it's feeling. Again, I'm not like a sociologist that's got a, you know a, a degree in explaining why certain things are racist and then th certain things aren't. But to me, it is a reductive. All that this this group of people who are dramatically different, different tribes, different parts of the country, totally different customs, and and a million other things in their history is simply reduced to savages that running around trying to scalp people. Like that to me is the is is a terrible depiction. Like I, I would be so upset if 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 that's the type of thing that upset me. Does, does that make any sense? Like I try to put myself and, and I, I can't. I'm just a stocky white, you know. I, I 
zero adversity at any point in time. I understand that. But it, like I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the aggrieved, right? To me, basically saying, hey, you know, all your population is good for was simply, you know, holding a tomahawk and, and, and a war chant. No, nothing about what you invented, nothing about, you know, your 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 customs and goals and desires and things that you suffered through and, and, and everything else. To me, like that's the, that makes me cringe that people are doing that. Like suburban white dudes that went to Georgia Tech are walking to the Turner Field and going, oh, a hundred million times every time like Greg Maddox throws a strike. Like that's so bad. Every ground ball out. According to a 1991 article in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, their organist at the uh, ballpark, Carolyn King, said she had been playing the tune that accompanies the chop for two seasons before it even started because she felt it sounded as if it would go with a team called the Braves. She noted that it began to pick up popularity at the end of May 1991, went from only a few people getting into the chop to a large portion of the crowd. And that correlates, I guess, with Deion Sanders, Florida State, coming to the Atlanta Braves. And and maybe that was all part of how it took off with Atlanta. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, that's the, the backstory I'm seeing here via one anecdote. But, I mean, the Chiefs part of this is that they do this at the stadium. It's a big part of their fan experience. And it's just surprising to me that it seems to not get brought up in weeks like this with all that much passion when I just remember Every day the Redskins were still the Redskins, it was such a big deal. And it, the question for you guys at 800-636-1067 is, what do you think was the difference with this organization? Is there some hypocrisy involved here? MGM National Harbor listener lines, 800-636-1067. We're Grant and Danny on the fan. Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch wrote a piece this week from Super Bowl 57 coverage out in Phoenix. If the Chiefs can do the chop, why did Washington have to rename its NFL team? And we're not sitting here saying that they shouldn't have or advocating one way or the other. We're uh, trying to answer the question Michael asked, and we're allowing you to do the same at 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. Now, I do hear people oftentimes saying, why did Washington change Redskins, but the Chiefs still have Chiefs? And I, I don't think that's apples to apples, frankly. Unless the argument is that in all capacities, anything involving Native American culture shouldn't be used as a team name because, quote-unquote, like people aren't mascots. Like If that's your argument, mm-hmm. then you got to get rid of Braves. you got to get rid of Chiefs. you got to get rid of even the, the more positively um, prideful names than one that began as a slur or, or at one point in time was used as a slur. I think you know, we can agree that, that there's different meaning behind names, even though the fans of this team and the people listening right now would never say it or think of it as a slur. But on a scale, those things are different. It is pretty odd, though, that there is not more of a push for Chiefs fans, for Braves fans, for some of these other organizations where they still have these names to stop doing the tomahawk chop. Which is pretty odd. It, to me, that goes in the same drawer when you open it up as wearing a headdress to a game. Yep. It, it is a way of like depicting the fan base as a collection of chiefs. And I don't mean Travis Kelsey's, right? It, uh-huh. It's just a weird thing that's done. And to me, it's odd that 
we got to a point where one of these changed, but the others haven't. Last thing I'll say on this, you can, you can get a last thought, and then we'll hit the phones, 800-636-1067. There's one reason why the Redskins changed their name to Commanders, mm-hmm. okay, or football team first, and that was money. And it was because Dan Snyder's minority owners basically forced his hand. I truly believe this. If not for Fred Smith, the father of Arthur Smith, who's the head coach of the Falcons, by the way, who's the owner or the guy that's behind FedEx, FedEx Field, obviously one of the lead sponsors for Washington. If he and the other minority owners who got into a dispute with Dan Snyder, who he eventually had to buy out for almost a billion dollars, you tracking with me? Uh If those guys weren't in a fight with Dan and didn't basically say, we are taking our money and going home, and by the way, I'm ripping the name off the stadium if you don't change it. Because they knew what the best way to hurt Dan was. The the thing that that Dan cared the most about in the world was that name, and they went for the name. And I believe if not for that feud with the minority owners that led to FedEx saying, we're not going to continue to do business with you, and the domino that was then Nike and Fanatics and all the places where the jerseys were sold, and they all said, we're not doing business with you, you now have no choice. It's over. That's when they changed the name. It took the the advertising money being gone. Uh And overnight, essentially, he went from saying he'd never change it to he'd change it. That has not happened in Kansas City. That has not happened in Atlanta. And until it does happen, those names will not be changed. So that's the answer as to when you say, well, why did they change the name in Washington? It's because no one was going to print Redskins jerseys and sell them anymore at sites where you can go buy one. Game, set, match. Like, that's what happened. I agree with you. The, the thing I would add is if, if Snyder had never addressed the complainers, and I, I don't mean to diminish folks that were legitimately upset, what I'm saying is, the instant you do that interview where you say we're never changing in all caps and you address it, you've got a Redskins Facts Twitter account, you start using these flimsy bits of rationale where they go, well, this high school in Arizona still uses it, so we're fine. The instant you put yourself on the same eye level, the same platform, the same um, uh, uh, boxing ring, so to speak, to, to go against the activists, you legitimized all of it. You legitimized all of the complaints. If they'd never responded one time, I don't think that door even opens for, for the actions that you're talking about. But yeah, just to the topic real quick, basically this, the tomahawk chop's the most offensive thing. If we're, if we're doing a scale of all the offensive things, that's number one, and nobody seems to care, and I've never gotten it. Anthony's in Calvert County. What's up, Anthony? How are you? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the call. What's up, bud? Uh, so, I agree with what you just said. You stole a little bit of my thunder. Um, but it did not help that Dan Snyder put a giant bullseye on himself by doing exactly what you guys just described a few seconds ago. Secondly, he did it in a town, a very political town, that is covered with people just dying to get on the front page, just dying to get their name in the newspaper, just dying to ask the right question or incite the answer or incite the response. Or, and you're not dealing with that in Missouri or Kansas. The majority of those supporters are just, they're basically Trump supporters. They're mostly conservative, which obviously Washington is not, nor is the surrounding area. They're not interested in any of that. They just want to see their team win. And they're not putting a giant crosshair on themselves by having an a-hole owner go out there and do it. But I would say that Atlanta is a very liberal market, yes? Atlanta proper is, I mean, yeah. Atlanta, now maybe not the entire state of Georgia. It's obviously, mm-hmm. right now, it's about as much a battleground state as you can get politically speaking and mm-hmm. who's voting where in a presidential election. But 
I do think Snyder brought the fight on Snyder himself. Snyder did it. I when believe Snyder that. in in the USA Today said, "I will never change the name. Put it in all caps." As a guy that no one likes, all of a sudden you go, "Oh, really? Interesting." I have not seen the Hunt family come out and say, "We're never changing the name. Put it in all caps." Exactly right. Didn't help the cause probably. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in? Is there any hypocrisy to the fact that Chiefs fans will be doing the tomahawk chop at the game representing their Kansas City Chiefs this weekend? We're GND on the fan. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.